Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. When this guy retires and buys a farm, it's going to be a funny farm. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly, adult only. Yeah, 18 and over or whatever the smoking age, wherever you are. Pipe smoking broadcast, and I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from the friendly confines of Concord, North Carolina. Yeah, my home recording office. So I'm back from uh, Kansas City. Uh, was out to L.A. for a day and a half, then to Kansas City for the pipe show. So tonight, Pipe Parts is going to be a uh, trip report on the Kansas City pipe show. And my guest tonight is Gordon Stacy Harmon, who I've known for, uh, I don't know, 18, 17, 18 years now. And uh, Stacy was in the pipe business. Now he's a uh, full-time travel agent, so it'd be fun to catch up with him. Uh, music, mailbag, and rant, all that standard good old fun stuff coming up on uh, this adult-only pipe-smoking broadcast. So part of the trip that I want to mention was spending Thursday night in Los Angeles after having dinner, sitting outside at the hotel with a pipe, and listening to uh, two natives of England watching the uh, polling results of the uh, vote to leave the EU. One was uh, against leaving, and the other one was pro-leaving, and Hey, you know, it was kind of fun for once to watch some other people from a different country responding to a vote of uh, what's going on in their country and how crazy they think things are in their country when, yeah, most of us think that things are pretty con- pretty crazy right here in the United States of America. Uh, and then uh, to have uh, Prime Minister Cameron say that he's stepping down because he lost this one vote in the United States, if a president stepped down because they lost one vote in uh, to the public, you know what? I don't know if we would ever have a president that would last more than uh, six, seven months. <laughs> anyway, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. Here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. I'm Jeremy Reeves head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole-leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot 
with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes autumn evenings so well-loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. here we go trip report time so uh off to la and the highlight of the trip to la was a two-hour visit to kramer's smoke shop in beverly hills uh been in the same location since 1949 a ton of history uh some really cool custom blended pipe tobaccos there if you're in the la area and you want a pipe shop to visit kramer's in beverly hills is a must stop by place Lots of pictures, lots of uh, memorabilia to look at. All right, off to Kansas City. I uh, got into Kansas City at about uh, 2 o'clock on Friday. And let me say this so that everybody understands it, because I might have said it before um, several times, and I am the leading expert on my own opinion. In my opinion... The Argosy Casino, that hotel has, out of all the places that there are pipe shows, it's the nicest hotel rooms and the absolutely nicest people and the best shower anywhere I've ever been in. So I was looking forward to uh, relaxing, spending some time in the uh, at the Argosy and enjoying that shower. So the first thing I did was after a long, uh, an early morning rising to get to the airport and get to the hotel was got in the room unpacked and took a shower <laughs> um i think in the three nights that i was there i ended up in the shower about seven times just a, a, I mean the shower was actually big enough that i could set my pipe on the uh, on the tile bench at one end and my cup of coffee and all it would do is just get a little steam on it big wonderful showers anyway uh friday night gathering out in the smoking tent was a lot of fun. A lot of notables there. Uh, and Saturday, the pipe show opened bright and early at 9 a.m. Attendance was really good. Foot traffic was really good. And again, that outdoor smoking balcony right off of the ballroom. Uh, just a great spot to sit out there and watch the uh, uh, watch the, the uh, Missouri River go by and... Uh, we saw kayakers in there and some birds, and it was just a lot of fun just to sit out there and take the occasional smoke break. Uh, thank you to all that came up to me and stopped by the table and said hello and said how much you enjoy the podcast. I know I'm sometimes goofy when you do that, but uh, hey, that's yeah, it does mean a lot to me when uh, when I hear from you guys about how much you enjoy the show. And then I have to apologize to the wives or girlfriends occasionally, but. Uh, yeah, it's not my fault. Don't blame me. Um, anyway, a lot of a uh, lot of pipe makers there because of the interest in the North American Pipe Carvers competition. Uh, this year they did it a little bit differently. We didn't see all the pipes that were in the competition, or at least I didn't. But we did see the seven day set, and I'll leave the uh, surprise for uh, Pipes and Tobacco's magazine because Chuck Stanion was there covering the event and taking pictures of the pipes i will say that uh, scott tinker made an absolutely beautiful seven pipe uh, cabinet for it i mean the cabinet was just drop dead gorgeous um 
of the uh, notable things, when I first got there Friday night, Greg Pease presented me with a absolutely wonderful loaf of sourdough bread from San Francisco that he picked up at the airport the previous morning and brought to me, and it's always a a, a wonderful treat. And in fact, Greg kind of saved my life one night because I woke up at about 3.30 in the morning and I was hungry, and guess what I had to eat? I had sourdough bread from San Francisco. Uh, Now, if you haven't had sourdough bread that is actually made in the city of San Francisco, you have yet to have sourdough bread. It's one of those few things that it's the only place in the world that they can do it that way, and it's wonderful. Uh, Kevin Brackett of Tobacco Pipe Exporters came up to me on Friday night and said, I've got a pipe for you. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, remember when we were talking and we met the pipe maker in Chicago? Uh, The pipe maker's name is Celebi, C-E-L-E-B-I, I I hope. hope I'm reading that correctly. Anyway, we had talked, uh, I had talked to him and met him in Chicago. And he got inspired by my uh, fascination and love of Disney and carved a pipe that is very reminiscent of the uh, of Sleeping Beauty Castle at Disneyland. Of course, it's not actually a duplicate copy because that would be almost impossible to do out of a single block of Meerschaum, but it is absolutely gorgeous, and I've yet to smoke it because I want to make sure that I've got the right time to smoke it and the proper place to hold and handle it. Um, other than that, Saturday night dinner, Saturday night smoking and drinking outside in the smoking tent. Got to spend time with uh, with the McNeils of McClelland, and that'll be a little surprise coming up in a couple of weeks there. Um, let's see, who else was there? Greg Pease. Always fun to see my grandfather, old Grandpa Lee Von Erk, who's not really my grandfather. He's just old enough that he's got an autographed copy of the Bible. Uh, you know, and and again, a chance to see some other brand new pipe makers. So I've lined up some uh, future interviews for the for the radio show. Um, you know, the Kansas City Pipe Club puts on one heck of a show, and it's a great group of uh, great group of guys. And it's a great weekend to look forward to. Uh, Sunday night had a, a casual, relaxed dinner and some. Sitting outside in the smoking tent, there was uh, oh, there was several cans of vintage cigarettes, including some Chesterfields and some Capstan cigarettes that were opened and passed around freely. I mean, some of these cigarettes were 60, 70 years old, and the Virginias and the Burley tobaccos in them smelled and tasted like tobacco, and it was just, I mean, just wonderful tastes coming off of these things compare them to some of the finest Virginia pipe tobaccos. Uh, and then Monday morning, it was up early and back home and back to work. And uh, hey, here I am. It's Tuesday night. I'm actually home now for a 13-day stretch. So we'll see if the marriage lasts. All right, let's get Stacy on the phone here. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Craftsmanship. History, tradition, these are the hallmarks of all quality products. From the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany. 
Denmark has been the one country in the world where craftsmanship, history and tradition have for centuries created the finest pipe tobaccos in the world. Since 1887, the Halberg family have led the pipe tobacco industry through their ownership of Mac Baron Tobacco Company, and they continue to create the most sought-after blends in the world today, just as they did over 100 years ago. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Baron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose-cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Baron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Baron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us on the telephone is somebody that I've known, oh lord, I think 1998 was the first time I met you. And uh, we were uh, two young kids running around the pipe and tobacco world, and now uh, you've branched out and you're doing more fun stuff. So, uh, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. But please welcome Stacy Harmon to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Thank you. I'm tickled to be here. <laughs> yeah. So we ha- we haven't talked in a while, and it's kind of fun to get caught up with you, but. Uh, let, let's go back to the back to the very beginning. And uh, how did you first get interested in uh, in smoking a pipe? Well, it was actually uh, I, I credit that to my grandfather. Um, my dad many many years ago uh, gave my grandfather a pipe for Christmas. It was a, a little Meerschaum pipe that he had picked up at Oxford Pipe Shop here in Nashville. Uh, and my grandfather smoked it quite a bit, um, which you know was always of interest to me and I had an uncle that was um very into pipes and pipe smoking um but it was actually uh years after my grandfather passed before I actually picked up a pipe and started off with the one that he used to smoke I I ended up with it after he passed on and um I kind of decided one day I'd give it a shot and you know smoked a, a couple of different bowls in it and figured this was something that uh that I might enjoy so and that's kind of what started it all. How old were you when you did that? Uh, when I first smoked it, I, I was in my mid-20s, I guess. But, you know, actually, let me let me backtrack just a little bit, because um, I was big into theater when I was really young, especially when uh, I was in high school. And oddly enough, the very first time I ever smoked that pipe was on stage in a high school play. <laughs> I borrowed it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the funny thing. I mean, I, it was in the mid '80s, and you know, I was what 15 at the time. And the character that I had, I decided I thought he'd be good as a pipe smoker, and we rehearsed it like that, and no one ever said anything to me. And you know, I had borrowed it from my grandfather, and of course, he passed away a few years after that. And that's actually how I ended up with a pipe. But it was probably my mid 20s before I ever started smoking on a regular basis. So nowadays, if a high school student lights up a pipe anywhere near a campus, there's police and helicopters involved. In the meantime, yeah, the, the, the school goes the school goes on lockdown. Uh, you know, the biohazard teams are called in to fumigate the place and to to, to sterilize it. I mean, it's kind of silly, but 
that's the way it is. <laughs> 30 years ago, it was perfectly okay to light up a pipe on a stage. <laughs> that, well, I think the I think the principal had an issue with it at first, but our um, our teacher that was our also our director basically told him, "Look, it's artistic. Uh, you know, it's our artistic right to do it like this." So we did it like that. <laughs> All right. So now you're in your mid twenties. Is that when you start uh, hanging out at pipe shops and trying to figure out what this uh, pipe smoking is all about? Yeah, the, the, um, I had smoked, like I said, smoked a few bowls when I'm a grandfather's mirror, but I didn't really want to carry it around with me because, um, you know, it was, it was too sentimental a piece. Uh, I still have that pipe, by the way, um, all these many years later. Uh, every once in a while, I'll light up a bowl in it. But um, at the time, I decided I'd, I'd go to Uptowns here in Nashville and um, went in and actually bought an old 7-Lium bowl was the very first pipe I ever bought and got a couple of different bowls of tobacco and you know, a couple of ounces of this and that to try. And that's kind of where it started. Now, how do we, that would have been, I guess, mid, mid nineties or so. Yeah. So how do we get to you working in the industry? Cause you worked for uptowns. And then, uh, when I, I think when I first met you, you were working for Davidoff. Yeah. It, you know, I started out, um, it was, 1996, and I had just finished up a project with the state of Tennessee uh, where we were working on um, developing all the programs for the state's bicentennial celebration. Uh, and during the, my time with that particular company, I worked downtown and would go down to the arcade smoke shop and hang out with those guys. Um, so I was kind of looking for something to do. Um, and, you know, a few months after I'd left that particular company and one of the things that I saw was an ad for part-time seasonal help with uh, with Uptowns. And so I thought, well, hey, here's a way to combine something that I enjoy as a hobby with a way of making some money. Um, so I went to work part-time for Christmas, and then after Christmas stayed on as full-time. And a few months later, I'm promoted to manager, and that kind of was where that all started. Now, we've had uh, Keith Moore on the show before, so that would have been back when he was there and all the Danish high grades were starting to come in. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we, Keith and I worked together. Uh, when I took over the, the Green Hill store as the store manager was right when Keith had introduced, or right after Keith had introduced Julius Bez to the shop. And... Uh, Keith and I worked together, uh, Keith making the contacts and me running the shop, of course. Um, we kind of went whole hog into, you know, the, the Danish uh, the Danish masters and, you know, some high-end pipes from all over. And basically it was it was Keith doing everything he could to, to get as many high-grade pipes in and me doing everything I could to keep the store flowing. <laughs> <laughs> Now, had you smoked a, a high-grade pipe before that? No, no. I think the most expensive pipe that I had had prior to that um, had been some Savinelli, some Stanwells. Um, I can't remember what all the pipes I had back then, but, uh, of course, the first high-end pipe I got, I mean, I got a Julius Bez um, shortly after they started coming in because I thought those were pretty nice pretty nice pipes, and they are. Um, still some of my favorite pieces. Uh, and then 
after we started getting in the Conowitz and some of the bangs and such, I picked out a couple for myself um, and and smoked those. And, you know, it, it, that kind of, that's what kind of started all my pipe acquisition syndrome, disease, habit, what do you want to call it? Yeah. Yeah. The, the fact that food doesn't matter anymore as long as I've got briar. Uh, well, food did matter, but uh, it was uh, it was not as important. <laughs> yeah, the briar the briar was a uh, a serious serious affliction that I absolutely positively love. So, do you remember how much a Conowitz pipe was back then? I think the first one that I bought, and I I still have that one. Um, was a sandblast of his that I think our retail price on it is at twelve hundred. Yeah, so they've they've gone up significantly since then. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't really looked much at the Conowitz pieces lately, mainly because um, yeah, I'm self-employed, so <laughs> I don't think I've bought a new pipe in 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 a while. So I haven't really followed up on on what the pricing of them are, but um, that's what I understand. Still worth it, in my opinion. And at, at that time at Uptowns, you also had a whole big buffet of pipe tobaccos to play with, and is that where you dabbled around and tried them all? Oh yeah, definitely. That and that was one of the big things with the shop back then. Um, I was a big believer, and still a big believer in um, you really need to try something before you buy it. Um, and one of the main reasons why I feel that way is because, you know, why spend $15 on a 10 to find out that you absolutely hate it? Um, you know, you do that too many times, you're going to get frustrated with, uh, with buying those types of tobaccos and you're not going to experiment any. So we, we adopted a policy that if anybody wanted to try anything, um, as long as it wasn't our very last 10, we'd pop that 10 open, mark it as a sample 10 and let people sample it. And that's, you know, we encourage that in the business anytime we get in new tobaccos. Um, that's one of the ways that the staff really expanded their knowledge base, too. Just the way that uh, that I felt it was the proper way to do it. Yeah. Oh. Uh, all right, so let's, let's go forward a little bit, and then you end up working for uh, Davidoff of Geneva, the importer of Davidoff Pipes, and at that point, uh, W.O. Larson. Yep, and George Jensen, too. They did George Jensen pipes. Um, yeah, it, it was it was kind of funny. I was working as a store manager in Green Hills, and one of the marketing folks at Davidoff called me up one day, and they were picking my brain on what kind of traits and um, personality would be good for a pipe brand manager. Um, and I was kind of honored that they had called me and were talking to me about it. Because um, they wanted to expand, you know, their footprint in the, the pipe and pipe tobacco business in the U.S. And at one point in the conversations, I basically asked, "Well, do you have any particular person in mind? Because that sounds like something I'd like to do." <laughs> Two months later, I'm working for them. So, you know, funny how that works sometimes. So what exactly did you do for them? Did you did you buy the pipes and and then wholesale them? Did you get to go to Europe and? What? Well, did, I, technically, I guess I was considered a brand manager. Um, I was responsible for um, Davidoff Pipes, Larson Pipes, George Jensen Pipes, 
um, all the related tobaccos that Davidoff was importing. And I didn't, wasn't necessarily the, the quote-unquote buyer, um, but I did get a chance to go over, visit the factories, meet with the carvers, uh, even toured um, the tobacco plants where those, those particular tobaccos were blended and helped pick out some of the new styles and such that we were going to be bringing in the next year. Uh, so I was involved a little bit on that, on the, on the kind of the buying end of things, but I wasn't really physically responsible for buying it, uh, buying those products. Now, I did have a special relationship with the Larson folks. Um, at the time, Larson had a lot of um, high-grade handmade pipes um, that Benny Jorgensen was doing for them and a couple other carvers that will remain nameless. Um, and those pipes I actually would bring in and sell them for Larson Direct. So I had kind of a little side business going, you know, um, with Larson on their high grades, in addition to the pipes that uh, Davidoff was importing. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk more about Larson and the pipe factories of Denmark and all that. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Meet Josh. Everyone at SmokingPipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes, I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at SmokingPipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with uh, Stacy Harmon and Stacy when we uh, I mean Larson was doing a whole bunch of uh, factory shaped pipes and I mean that just had to be incredible to go back there and visit those pipe factories and see all those blocks of briar being turned yeah it, it was uh it was pretty incredible because one of the places that i've visited was um uh saint claude france and that's where a lot of the the the, the basic larson braised pipes and such were being done uh and it was it was really cool to to, to be able to walk amongst the bags of briar um and to see the 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 machines that work and the, the, the folks in there working. I couldn't speak a lick of French. Still can't <laughs> unless it's on a menu. But um, it was just a really amazing experience. St. Claude, France is just a, a nice little town. I mean, it, it's it's picturesque. And to be able to walk down the street and walk, you know, turn into a doorway that's kind of nondescript and all of a sudden you're in this little pipe factory, um, it, it, was, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, and then uh, and then to be able to go up into Denmark and do the same thing and travel all over. I mean, the, not many of us get to go inside of uh, inside of some pipe tobacco factories that size either. 
No, and I, I think I may have surprised them a little bit because I wanted to smell all the tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> they would have pallets of, of, you know, one particular tobacco, and you know, before they were going to, to actually um, blend it, you know, they store it in the, the warehouse. And I was wanting to, to lift up the tarps and smell all the different tobaccos and, and you know, watch them put it all together. It was, um, that was, the, the little factory there in, in Athens was actually not a little factory, but um, in Athens, Denmark, was quite the operation, uh, and the number of different types of tobaccos that they produced was mind-boggling. Um, but it it was it was an enjoyable experience just from the sheer fact of seeing all the leaf and and being able to smell some of it before it ever got blended. It's just fascinating. <laughs> and it's just a small fishing town that has this huge tobacco factory in it. Yeah, I mean it's. Um, uh, Scandinavic produces a vast majority of the tobacco that comes out of Denmark. I think McBaron is the only other producer still working there, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, so then you then you go on and, and you're doing trade shows and all the pipe shows and everything and promoting all those brands, and then you uh, then you move on and you're working on the internet and mail order side of the business again. Uh, Let's just let's jump forward to to what you're doing now because I like your uh, your self uh, your self pro yourself. Let me try this in English. Uh, your self proclaimed <laughs> title is the Lord of Leisure, Earl of Escapes, Duke of Downtime, Grand Prince of Getaways, Regent of Relaxation, Sultan of Sabbaticals, Baron of Beach Bummery. That's my favorite. Uh, Kaiser of Cruising, Prime Minister of Playtime, and Wizard of Destination Weddings, and a proud sponsor of that Ah moment because you're running your own travel agency. Yep, yep. I, I have a little travel biz that uh, that I, I, you know, that keeps me busy from day in to day out. Let's put it like that. But yeah, I, I I've always been a big believer that, you know, downtime is precious, uh, regardless of what your business is. And I've always enjoyed the finer things in life. Um, so this was kind of a natural progression because, you know, I traveled everywhere. Uh, it was funny. I've, I've been to the Caribbean a number of times, been to Europe, been all over the country with Davidoff. And um, I had people that were coming up to me asking me, well, hey, I hear you've been here. What do you recommend we do? <laughs> and finally, some a friend of mine one day said, "Why the heck don't you do this for money? You know, why don't you do this for a living?" And it just dawned on me, you know, he made good sense. So, you know, that's when I started the the travel business. And you know, like my tagline says, "Life's too short to take crappy vacations." So, <laughs> so part of that is is you actually take a handful of vacations each year and you go out and scout out these places. Yeah, I will be honest with you though, Brian, when I do that, it's people think it's a lot of vacation, quote unquote, time, but it's not. Uh it can be grueling. And I, I say that tongue in cheek because, you know, yes, uh, my office is, you know, at that time is a um, you know, beach resort and you know, part of paradise, but I'll give you an example of a few years ago, I went to the Dominican Republic um, to tour some resorts. We did 25 resorts in five days. <laughs> and 
these were not small little resorts. And this was in August. <laughs> so if you imagine, we'd get up at 7 o'clock in the morning to, to meet our, um, our bus by 8 o'clock, and then we'd be off to tour one resort. And it's not like, you know, you go in, you see the pool, oh, huh? yeah. No, we've got to go inspect rooms. We've got to look at all the restaurants. And you've got to do all that in a matter of, you know, an hour. And it's 98 degrees outside with 98% humidity, and you're just sweating bullets. You've got to get through five of them. <laughs> By the time you get back to the resort at night that you're staying, you're worn out. And when you go to each resort, do they want you to try some of the food and have a drink while you're there, too? Sometimes. Um, a lot of times it's more of, you know, hey, let's take a break and have a drink. And um, I would usually carry a huge bottle of water with me. So aside from, you know, a couple of drinks here and there, you know, I'd go through almost two liters of water a day just trying to keep myself hydrated. But, you know, that that's one of those things where, again, it's a lot more work than a lot of people realize. But I do it because kind of going back to the tobacco um, story that I was telling earlier where we were sampling tins, I've got to see a place, I've got to feel it, I've got to touch it, I've got to smell it, because then I know what I'm selling to people that, that want to go there. And I can match up, like I used to match up tobaccos with people's preference and what they smoke and, and what they might like in a new tobacco. I do the same thing with resorts. I listen to what they like to do, what they don't want to do, and I match a resort or a cruise or a destination based on what they particularly like and need. Are there any places in particular that are more smoking friendly than others? Well, that's kind of, um, that, that kind of gets disheartening. Um, not, not nearly as much as there were. Um, you know, you and I both know that Denmark, uh, several years ago passed some new smoking regulations. Yeah. Jamaica has done it now. Um, so there are a number of resorts that you can't even smoke on the balcony or the terrace outside your room. You can only smoke in, um, open areas. You can't smoke in even, even in an open air restaurant. Um, you have to really be away from pretty much everything to be able to smoke. Um, I will say that there, there is one particular cruise line that I thoroughly enjoy, um, and their most recent ships, the most recent four that they've launched actually have a smoking room on the ship and they call it the humidor uh, Norwegian cruise line has been one of the handful that has not completely gotten away from that you can't smoke in your cabin you can't smoke on the balcony but they do have some outer deck areas that are smoke friendly as well as the humidor which is an indoor air-conditioned room with bar service and will they let you bring your own pipes or cigars in there or do you have to buy what they have oh absolutely no 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 they, they they have a nice selection of cigars that are available for purchase but um i i took a group of people on one of the inaugural sailings of the norwegian escape uh, back in november her first full week um sailing her new itinerary it was a brand new ship um and i took about 12 people with me uh as a group and one of the guys was a cigar smoker. We'd, we'd meet up every day, and I always bought the cigars. Um, you know, we'd sit in the humidor, and we'd smoke cigars, and, and he actually said that was the best part of his cruise. 
Yeah. So how does that work? What if we want to? What if we want to hire you as a uh, as a leader of our group? And how how does that work? What do we do? Well, you just say, "Hey, I want to do something as a group," and then we'll talk about what you want to do, and I'll put it together. Like for instance, um, Norwegian now just to to pick on them for a minute. Norwegian's got four ships that have the humidor. There's the Norwegian Epic, the Breakaway, the Getaway, and the Escape. Um, Epic will sail in the Mediterranean in the summer, and in the winter she's back here in the Caribbean. Breakaway does a Bermuda and then a Caribbean itinerary. Um, Getaway and Escape are primarily Caribbean. So, yeah, if you guys, you know, if people want to do a a group cruise like that, I can put it together. In fact, there was a local shop owner here a few years ago that I put together a small group for him, and, you know, he included cigars in the price that we that we marketed it for, and off we went. Are there air- a week and are- ate and drank like crazy? It was wonderful. <laughs> are there areas of the world that you uh, that you don't like booking travel in? Um, I don't. I don't necessarily say I don't like to book travel in. Um, because all the places are, fan, are are just fantastic. I mean, and I, I say that loosely, but the Middle East is one area that I'm real nervous about booking travel to. Um, I have had clients go to Egypt, and they had a wonderful time, but it, just with the current geopolitical issues out there, it makes me nervous anytime I hear somebody want to want to explore going to the Middle East because I just I have to let them know, you know, we definitely need to get you travel insurance. Um, but, <laughs> you know. Just want to make sure that everybody's, you know, aware of of the potential pitfalls. That and Haiti. I I, I hate to pick on Haiti because I love the island of Hispaniola, but Haiti still is not an area that I feel is very safe to travel to. So I steer people more to the other other end of that island. Any any advice or uh, or even more? Tell us what you're uh, what you're packing, how you pack and travel with your uh, pipes and cigars. Um, I always do carry on. If I'm going to travel with my, my pipes and cigars, I'll do carry on. I try to keep the tamper, um, a very basic tamper, not one that may have a, a pick in it, no sharp edges. Um, and I usually carry an inexpensive lighter. I think I generally carry my Corona old boy because if, um, if something were to happen to the lighter, then, you know, like TSA confiscated or something, then I'm not out a ton of money, but, um, you, know, you got to carry all that stuff with you. You never want to check it in a bag because um, you never know going through some of these foreign airports, you know, who will raid a bag and who won't. But, um, you know, my big advice is to carry it with you um, and try to keep any sharp or anything that would look like a weapon and you know, just don't even bother with it. You, you can't carry on lighters that are non-refillable. Uh, so like a big lighter, they won't allow you to carry on. So you want to make sure that that any lighter that you take is a refillable lighter. And it does kind of vary by each individual country when you're coming back out of it. So you just the the rule of thumb is just be safe and bring stuff that you don't really mind leaving behind if you have to. Yeah, I mean, I'll usually carry. Um, I don't carry a ton of pipes with me when I go. I'll carry one or one or two, and usually they'll be. Um, on the lower end of, of um, price point, 
I usually will carry a Meerschaum because they're a little more um, flexible in what I'll smoke. I don't carry a whole lot of tobacco with me, um, just what I might smoke during the week, which will usually be like one tin or half a tin um, or maybe a couple of ounces. Uh, basically, the big rule of thumb is don't carry so much that it'll cause somebody to look twice or three times at your stuff because the more time they get involved in looking at stuff, the more times likely that you're going to have something confiscated. <laughs> so you don't want to look like you're going to this foreign country and you're going to open up a tobacco shop right there. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I try to carry as light as I can, and my wife would, would laugh at that because I always carry you know, electronics with me whenever I go because I'm, I'm photographing and writing about them and, and, you know, the different places that I'm going. But, um, yeah, when it comes to cigars, I'll carry maybe three or four um, in a small portable humidor. I definitely don't buy cigars while I'm overseas because customs here in the States is still, you know, anything that doesn't have a band, they're going to look at it as Cuban anyway and they'll confiscate it. So I don't ever buy cigars when I'm out. Um, most of the time they're cheaper here in the States anyway than where they are in the tourist destinations. But, you know, it just... Just keep it small, you know, enjoy what you've got while you're there. And don't take something that you'll be, you know, sorely disappointed if it gets confiscated. Yeah, and with the Cuban cigars, you never know what exactly you're buying in these tourist places anyway. And you may have just spent 10 to $15 for a, uh, for a dog turd with a band on it. Well, and that's the point, too. There's more counterfeit Cubans in a lot of these destinations than there are real Cubans. So I, I tell people all the time, I don't advise buying Cuban cigars unless you, you, know, you want to buy it and smoke it there, but don't ever buy anything to try to bring it back because it just opens up um, Pandora's box of pain. <laughs> uh, before we go, any uh, any of your favorite places where you've, been able to sit back and smoke a pipe or a cigar? Any beaches or wonderful places that we'll all get jealous of you about? <laughs> um, actually, I guess one of my favorites was uh, on the south coast of Jamaica. The Sandals White House there has a beautiful long beach that you can actually see the sunrise from one end of the beach. And you go around a little point and you can see the sunset from the other side of the beach, from the other end of the beach. Um, and just the ocean, watching the sunset, smoking a bowl on the beach was, uh, was absolutely delightful. That, and then the beach bartender would come by and say, Hey, would you like a drink? And I'd say, absolutely. Bring me a rum and Coke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the website is easeuptravel.com. E-A-S-E-U-P travel.com. Uh, you can follow it on Facebook. You can go on on his website, or you can also follow Stacy at uh, Gordon Stacy Harmon on Facebook. Stacy, we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Fire away. What is your favorite pipe? My favorite pipe has to be my first Conowitz. And what is your favorite tobacco? You know, that, that's a tough one, but I'm going to say Dunhill Early Morning. What is your favorite drink? Oh, that's <laughs> such a loaded question. 
a really good Dominican rum. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Book, definitely. And the last question, which I think will be the toughest for you. Uh, any particularly favorite pipe smoking related memories that we haven't talked about? Wow, that one is tough. Yeah. You know, I'm... That... I, okay, so I think it has to be one of the, the pipe shows that we did here in Nashville where we had um, Perrin Ulf from S-Bang, we had Tom Eltang, we had uh, Yes Konowitz, um, and I, there was another one that it kills me that I can't remember who it was. That may have been that may have been the only group of Danish carvers, but the that group of carvers was hanging around with us, and, and we were all smoking a bowl, and it was just I just had to sit back and think to myself, these are some of the best pipe carvers in the world, and they're hanging out with us in Nashville, smoking a bowl. It was just unreal. Yeah, those were. Uh, yeah, I can I can remember those days where you just run into you know whoever was sitting at the bar and just sit down and start talking to them and realize it was somebody that's been making pipes for thirty forty years and it's probably the second or third generation. Yeah, uh, it was an amazing time to be in that industry, um, and I I relish those memories. Nobody will ever know except somebody like you. <laughs> That uh, it just it was it was humbling to think that these people with such talent were sitting around and examining each other's pipes and and critiquing what everybody was smoking. <laughs> it was just it was a fantastic time. Stacy, thank you very much for joining us. Check out his website. Maybe we can uh, hook up the idea of doing a pipe smoking cruise again and. Uh... Hey, well, uh, I'll run India in Nashville at least once or twice because I got, I think, two trips coming up. <laughs> uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Ack, I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com. I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com. This is Internet Radio. Welcome back. All right, now who's ready for a vacation, in particular a cruise? I am. I'm ready for anything, but hey, you know, like I said last week, I don't get to go anywhere for a while. My entire life is a vacation. Anyway, uh, yeah, check out Stacy's website. Not only is he uh, not only is he knowledgeable, but he's a really good guy. All right, for music, we are going back to Louis Prima because I thought this one would be fun. It's uh, what's it, what's it exactly called? Oh, it's called "The Closer to the Bone, the Sweeter the Meat Is." Close to the bone, sweeter is the meat. Last slice of Virginia ham. Is the best that you can eat Don't talk about my baby She's slender but she's sweet Close to the bone And sweeter is the meat 
Now she'd make a good thermometer if she drank a glass of wine. She's built just like a garter snake. She climbs up like a vine. My friends tell me I'm a fool to love a girl like that. Here's the reason I like them slim instead of big and fat. Cause closest to the bone, sweeter is the meat. The last slice of Virginia ham is the best that you can eat. I don't talk about my baby. She's slender, but she's sweet. Mm, closest to the bone and sweeter is the meat. Let's go. a first-class fountain pen if she only knew how to write. Her fingers like a piece of string. Mm, she rolls up every night. Everybody thinks that I'm a nut to love this lovely worm. Boy, there's one reason I like them slim instead of round and firm. Cause closest to the bone, sweeter is the meat. Last slice of Virginia hair is the best that you can eat. Now don't you talk about my baby. She's slender, but she's sweet. Mm. Closest to the bone. Mm, sweet. I got another one now. Listen here. Mm, she'd make a fine piccolo if she only stayed on key. Boy, she's shaped like a rubber band, and she loves to snap at me. Everybody thinks I'm insane. To overlook her faults But here's the reason I like them skinny Instead of full of schmaltz Cause closest to the bone Sweeter is the meat Last slice of Virginia ham Is the best that you can eat Don't talk about my baby She's slender but she's sweet First, I was thinking of all the uh, meat places in uh, Kansas City, but now that I listen to that, I wonder what he was talking about his sweet Virginia ham and 
sweeter meat. There's a message for you. In the mailbag and in the battle for number one and number two positions, uh, Dino got in first this week and writes, uh, Steve Lau's story is both compelling and inspirational. A person working in a big way to help restore abused people and in a much smaller way to rescue abused pipes. While nowhere near comparable, both are acts of rebirth. Bravo, Steve. Uh, Dino says, I really like the Finzi. His Eklug for piano and strings is a favorite of mine. Summer reading, I'm sure many of our community are aware of Expector Maigret. Uh, Georges Simeon wrote 75 novels and 28 short stories that feature the pipe-smoking French police detective. If you haven't met Maigret... A good place to start is Maigret's Pipe, a collection of 17 short stories. Thanks, Brian, for another eclectic and thought-provoking show, Dino. So there you go. Dino has given you a lot of homework, and uh, somebody do all the reading for me, and we'll have you on. Uh, Let's see. Casey Ghost. Dan, who I got to see this weekend, uh, says, Just a great episode. The Pipe Parts segment was really good. I'm glad you mentioned Pipefill.eu as one of your main sources of info about pipes. What he has done is amazing. His section on odd pipes is quite good. I wasn't familiar with Chris's pipe pages, but it seemed really informative. Uh, Steve Lau is doing very good work on older pipes that is impressive. It was a very informative interview. His day job is nothing short of doing God's work. Rant was spot on. You have to be somewhat alert when you walk around. Of course, the biggest problem is each other. There you go. Um, Also got an email from Dan Locklear, and Dan says, uh, Since we were away in Europe, I have some shows to catch up on, and just finished one from two weeks ago. Uh, A couple things on this trip. I did an interview for an upcoming article already submitted and should be in the next issue of The Pipe Collector. That's the uh, NASPC's newsletter with a very articulate and skilled Greek pipe maker, Konstantinos. Uh, He and his lawyer, pianist wife, Marina, were so very gracious to us in Athens. They had a a lunch of Greek specialties in their home. Should you ever be inclined to interview a Greek pipe maker, I highly recommend him. I certainly will. Uh, Dan also wrote, I just heard that wonderful clip on uh, Russell that Rick sent along. Only last night I read Rick's splendid article on his visit with Ken Barnes. Your fine interview is certainly a key towards him reconnecting with so many of us in the U.S. Uh, As for the pronunciation issue, the Brits trained me in the 1970s. If it was properly pronounced Cheriton, they saved me from the fire. (laughs) There you go. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so check out Rick's article. Look for Dan's article coming up. And uh, let's see, uh, July 23rd, Saturday night, July 23rd. I'll be in Las Vegas getting ready for the trade show. So we're doing a uh, meetup around uh, 6 p.m. at the Tobacco Leaf in Summerlin. Uh, it'll be me, the Las Vegas Pipe Club guys, and I'm bringing along a couple of uh, extra special surprise friends. We'll see who I can grab from the show to come out there. We'll be out there for an hour, hour and a half or so, hanging out with everybody. And, um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, oh, forgot to mention that uh, I did get to spend some time with uh, Jeremy and Shane from... Uh, uh, smoking uh, from Cornell and Deal and smokingpipes.com. Uh, 
And, uh, you know what? Jeremy picked up a uh, pipe of uh, Sato's that I really liked. So now there's another Sato fan out there. I think he might have a couple others. May have to sneak away with his. Um, anyway, the other thing I did want to mention is that the FDA was a subject of matter at the, uh, you know, at the pipe show this weekend. And Kevin has put a link to a letter from the NATO organization, the National Association of Tobacco Outlets, that was written by our own uh, Tom Provost, the diabetic man. Uh, if you can just please go to the Pipes Magazine radio show's page on PipesMagazine.com, click on that link. That is the consumer letter, and that will go to your member of Congress and your two U.S. Senators. And that would be great help if we got some awareness. I sent my letters off, and I got... Uh, Two out of three responses so far. So far, one response from a Democrat, one response from a Republican, and it was interesting to read in the responses. Again, we don't know much more about what the FDA all means to us right now. We're all still learning stuff, so I don't want to set off any alarms or any bells and whistles. Don't want anybody panicking. Um, but as soon as I know exactly what it means and exactly what it looks like it'll happen, I'll let you know. All right, in the meantime, rant time's next. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic Cashmere, the sultry Licoricea, and the striking Archibaldino Red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. If you're looking for quality, if you're looking for variety, and if you're looking for someone with a reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for CupOfJoes.com. CupOfJoes.com has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos. CupOfJoes.com is also your one-stop shop for Peterson Pipes, their exclusive line of Peterson Kelly Pipes. Check out their remodeled website at CupOfJoes.com and be sure to like them on Facebook, CupOfJoes.com. Quality products at extraordinary prices. Cowboy. Cowboy. For the second time in all the flying that I've done, I've actually saw a disgruntled passenger on the plane, and I thought, oh, Lord, please, you know, I'm on my way out to L.A., I've got time schedules and stuff, I don't need this guy going nuts. What was he complaining about? He was complaining because the flight attendant told him or asked him to please 
turned down the volume on his headphones. And now, here's the funny part of it. His, the volume on his headphones, I was sitting the row behind him. I could hear his music just fine without my headphones on. So his headphones must have been so loud that his brain was just being completely obliterated by, by, uh, by volume and by all the vibrations coming through there. So he's probably pretty much brainless anyway. And the people next to him complained that they couldn't, you know, they couldn't fall asleep with the noise and the music coming from his headphones. So he complained and he got a little uppity and pretty soon the flight attendant just said, I'm sorry, you either turn him down or I'm going to take him away from you and we'll have you restrained. And I'm listening to that going, ooh, (laughs) well, guess what he did? He turned him down and then he proceeded to turn his back to everybody and turn sideways and face the window and we didn't hear another peep out of him until it was time to get off the plane and then... As he was getting off the plane, you could hear his headphones cranked up again. So there you go. Dude, listen, first of all, you're rude and you're nasty. Second of all, you got really poor taste in music. And I like almost every kind of music except for what that crap was. And third, uh, you're going to be deaf and you're already dumb. So you're going to be deaf by the time you're uh, by the time you reach 30. So good luck. Anyway, it was kind of fun to watch. Glad I did. Glad we didn't get delayed or detained or anything. And uh, glad I didn't have to sit next to him. I just had to sit behind him and watch him grump a little bit. All right. Hey, please remember, uh, post any comments you got on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com. Email me, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com. We would appreciate a rating or review on iTunes where we continue to rank highly. And uh, those ratings do help us uh, rank even higher and get more people to find the radio show. So uh, thank you to Stacy for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to you. Tell me Did you know that the eggs on the funny farm are all yolks?